welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Oh, super good to be here. Hi, everyone. Hi, it's... Um... It's a good Sunday today. You know, we, last Sunday night we had such an epic um, evening service with our Cambodian team. We had over a, oh, around 100 people here. Maybe it was more like 90. Let's just round it up. Um, and it was just such a great night to hear uh, the Cambodian team. And, and what an awesome celebration as well. And, and tonight is going to be amazing. I'm so looking forward to seeing these guys uh, get baptized and take another step in their, you know, in their connection, their relationship uh, with Jesus. It's going to be a great night. So come along and support those who are getting uh, baptized. Uh, it's going to be epic. Uh, Ricky and Tess, uh, just uh, during worship, just looked over at you guys and just, um, and I actually felt like I saw horses, not that you guys look like horses at all, but just like, you know, horses, when they want to run, they're just kind of stamping and pouring the ground and they just like, and I just have a real sense that God's saying like, you're just about to start a new adventure. You're at the starting line of something great and significant in your life. And just, yeah, we're excited for you guys. Let's just give these guys a hand. They're an amazing couple. I think, Tess, I think it was you that delivered me an amazing coffee from Empire Cafe this morning. Thank you. It was really good. Uh, so good. Um, something else that's happening at this time as well is that we're just uh, on the edge of launching a ministry here at Thrive called The Pantry. Um, and let me just read what this is. It says, The Pantry is, is practical support, providing a minimum of three days emergency food and support to people experiencing crisis, helping in moments of crisis and extending hands for other uh, agencies and or ministries within our church. And we want to start this uh, initially within our own church environment and then branching into the wider community. How about that? That's sounding amazing. So we've got Marion um, Freeman. She is uh, overseeing this, and she was one of the uh, key uh, people that assisted in establishing Hope Cafe at, at the Baptist Church. And it's really exciting that we're going to be uh, pioneering something similar here at Thrive as well. And um, it's something that we're all going to be able to get in behind and stock up and make sure the pantry's full so that we can just see those re- uh, resources just released into our community, into the needs. Isn't that cool? Let's just, I just want to pray before my message this morning. I need some Jesus help today. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your, for your word. We thank you that your word is the power to bring transformation and freedom and joy. Lord, to set us on a course, Lord. And we just want to take hold of that today for which you have taken a hold of us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I'm going to be uh, just sharing from Luke 5 uh, this morning. If you've got your Bible, turn to, turn to Luke 5, and we're just going to kind of dip in and out of the story that um, is happening there. In Luke 5, Jesus um, is right at the, it's before He has called disciples. It's before He's got people, a crowd following Him, and, and, and Jesus walks up 
to the edge of the water, it says. And, and there's a couple of boats sitting there and the guys uh, are cleaning their nets from a fruitless night of fishing uh, the night before. And so he asked these guys, hey, can I use your boats as a platform for me to communicate to this you know, group of people that, that are there? And so he gets out onto the boats and he starts talking with the, with the crowd. And then the Bible says when he's finished talking, he, he says, hey, how about you guys? I know you've cleaned your nets up and it's all, you've, you've worked all night, but how about you go another round? How about you take your boat out and, and go out into the deep and, and let your nets out into, into deeper water? And, and so um, Simon, who was one of the boat owners, it responded, uh, responded here in Luke 5. I think we've got a PowerPoint here. It says, you know, he says, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Who loves working and not actually making progress? Futility. Whoa, me and futility, we're enemies. Uh, and it says, but he says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they did, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. They quickly signaled for other boats to come and help with the amount of fish, but there was so many fish that their boats, I, don't, I never see that before, but you know, saw that before, their boats, there's a few boats that had so much fish that they began to sink. You know, I love this, man, this, this miracle, this incredible outpouring of Jesus's favor on these men because they responded to what he was saying that they needed to do. And their boats couldn't handle the blessing that was actually waiting for them. They had a capacity issue and they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't handle what Jesus was calling them to, to go and get. And uh, the thing is about that story is that that day Jesus was fishing too. He was actually fishing. He was looking for a group of guys that would follow him closer and join him in his mission to reveal the strength of the Father's love to this world. He was fishing for some guys. He was like, "You, go, I'm going to cast this blessing out here and see if you get caught up in what I'm showing you, the who I am, if you come on this journey with me. And my message today is called, Follow closer, love stronger. Follow closer and love stronger. The Bible says that when Simon had a moment to process what had just happened, this miracle of God intervening in his trade, that he fell at Jesus' knees and says, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And I love this because the blessing is this abundant blessing is kind of this wake up call for uh, for Simon. It's a wake up to the to the company that he was in. It was like, wow, I'm I'm not worthy. You are Lord. I'm seeing you for who you are. Jesus is in the room, and 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 so it. it then Jesus said to Simon, he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And then it says, so they pulled their boats up on the shore. They pulled them on the shore. They made sure they were secured. They said, hey, I'll be back next week. And, um, you know, because this, we'll just see how it goes with Jesus. And if it doesn't work out, I'm going to get back into fishing. Is, is that what it says? It says, so they pulled their boats up on the shore 
they left everything <laughs> and followed him. It's a, that's an incredible, like, I don't know if that was a one-hour kind of moment there in time, but they just, they saw something in Jesus that caused them to say, everything that I've been doing with my life is now becoming irrelevant because Jesus, you've just walked in. Jesus, you've just like reconfigured my priorities completely. And I love it that the blessing that they just received, this abundance that came into their boat, they didn't get consumed with it. They, that didn't distract them from moving on with Jesus. Come and follow me, Jesus says to Simon. And Jesus is inviting Simon to move on from this moment. Move on. Come on, Simon. Come with me. And he starts, Simon starts his journey of doing a whole new way of life. He became a Jesus follower at that time. And man, he's such a cool dude, Simon. And he had his name changed to Peter. And I'll talk to you a little bit about that. But his, you know, when you look at his life, uh, in despite of his, his lack of faith at times, his sword, you know, would cut off the odd ear. Uh, his impulsiveness. He denied Jesus three times. He was, he was just raw humanity, Simon was. But because Simon continued to move on with Jesus, he moved on from his fish. He moved on from his comfort zone. He moved on from his past. And because he was a follower of Jesus, because he followed closely to Jesus, ultimately Jesus said this to Simon Peter. He said, Simon, I'm going to change your name to Peter. Peter means rock. And because you've followed me, because you've moved on, he says, upon this rock, upon your life, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand up against you. In Matthew 16 verse 18, he's like, the, the church that is going to be built uh, through your life is going to stand up to the gates of hell. It's not just going to, it's not going to be stagnant. It's going to be a church that's following me, that they're going to move up to these gates and they're not going to prevail. They're going to be torn off their hinges. Do you know, we've got to be going somewhere with Jesus in our lives before we can actually take down the enemies, you know, go in and invade the enemy's camp. Who knows, gates, they're not, uh, they're not a weapon. They don't have, generally, they don't have wheels. They are, gates uh, are, are a place where you can access another kingdom. And so the, the gates are actually showing us that the devil is actually trying to, you know, it's, it's, it's a place where he's trying to keep people out of and he's trying to keep people captive in. It's, it's a place where that needs to be, uh, where liberation can happen. And so I believe he's saying here to Peter, because you've moved on with me, because you've followed me, because you, of the momentum around your life, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against you moving with me. They're, gonna, they're not going to stop the momentum that is around your life. And in church, we're called to be a church that's moving. We're called to be a people that's moving, that's following Jesus, that's, it's, that's reassessing, reevaluating, looking at the blessings we've got and going, you know, that's just, that blessing's great, but that's, that's just, that just shows me who I'm with. 
That just shows and reveals to me who I'm following. That's just a sign of the company that I'm keeping. I need to keep moving with Jesus. I need to be flexible and responsive and and I need to have a, a kind of relationship with Him that is fluid. He's calling us to be subtle and to, and to go when He says go. And I believe this is an hour when He's saying, come on church, let's start moving. Let's move in love. Let's move in forgiveness. Let's move in grace. Let's move in power, in signs and wonders and miracles. He's looking for a church that is ready to move because the gates of hell cannot prevail against heaven's advance through the church of Jesus Christ. See, gates are the weak point of the enemy's territory. They're the best place to access breakthrough. And I love the wisdom of God here because the Holy Spirit is going to actually guide us to the places where the enemy is most vulnerable. And we're going to release captives from hell. That's what it's about. We're not just there to go, I'm I'm big, strong man, break gates, rah. It's actually about liberation. It's an advance of freedom and it's an advance of love and it's an advance of hope and joy into people's worlds. And Kevin uh, Forlong was here a couple of weeks ago and he had the word for our church and it was repositioning for increase. And for us to be a church that Christ is desiring to build in our lives, we need to be a people who are ready to respond to where the Spirit of Christ is moving us, to the gates that He wants us to tear down. Like we're not just going to all of a sudden grow as a church because we just sat on our butts on Sunday morning in this environment. He's calling us to go and to follow and be a people like the church on Sunday. This is great. This is a training ground. This is like this is like the practice that we have. You know, if you play touch rugby, you might be practicing during the week for the game. Well, this is practice. The game's on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we come in on Sunday and we, we get into an environment and we encourage each other because we're going to go hard for Jesus during the week. We're going to see His kingdom released and liberation happening uh, through our lives during the week. This is great, but this is not the end. The church is just the beginning. The church is the place where we are sent from. So I love the life of Peter because he never stopped following Jesus. And in that moment where he said, I'm not worthy to follow you, Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He's like, come and follow me, Peter. And the next verse, it says that, 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 that they went to a town in Luke 5 verse 12. It says, A man came along who was covered in leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He says, I am willing. It's my will. It's the intention of my heart. It's my, this is, this is me. I, I, I desire to see you healed. And he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And I can imagine Peter's watching this. He's taking it in and he's like, I just left that. And I've, I've left those fish and I've, I've left my boats and I've come into this new way of, he's like, wow, this is what fishing for people look like. I'm so relieved I don't have to actually throw a net over humans. I was wondering what Jesus was talking about when he said, it's going to make me a fisher of men. I'm like, whoo, that's so much better that people get caught up in this net of grace and of healing. And that's what it means to actually fish for people. 
Jesus wants us to be prepared to go. And when Jesus said to, to follow me to Simon and to Peter, he, he wasn't just saying, hey, mate, just, just, just tag along. Just tag along and what, just prepare to be amazed at just, just watch me, Simon. Just, you just follow me and you just tag along. He was saying, follow me with my life. Follow me with your life. Keep following. Keep moving. Keep growing. He was like Jesus was saying, let me show you how. Let me show you how to pray. Let me show you how to find joy. Let me show you what the Father's heart looks like. Let me show you what faith looks like. Let me show you what love looks like. He wasn't just saying, let's just, fo- just follow me. And I'm just like, you know. I'll just, I, you just be amazed at my life. And, and, and that's just a disciple. He became a disciple, a disciplined one, one who would follow him and become uh, a son of the Father because Jesus was displaying what God the Father looks like. And so Luke 5, we start at the start of Luke 5 and there's this group of guys and they're just trying to catch fish to get by and then Jesus comes on the whole scene and there's a whole new world of living and he shows them that the kingdom of heaven is abundant and because of this miracle catch and Jesus invites them to follow him and then they watch a man, he's healed with leprosy and then the next minute they're in a crowded room and the ceiling starts falling in and a man's lowered to the feet of Jesus and Jesus pronounces grace and forgiveness and he heals him too. And, and I'm like, these guys must be like, wow, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Then after that, they go, they pass a tax booth and there's some guy called Levi there. And he's, and he's like, do you want to follow me too? And, and so the guy, he leaves, his, he leaves the tax booth that moment. He's like, hey, I've got friends, man. I've got friends and everyone hates them. And so basically they throw this big party, Levi does, and there's this massive scene at Levi's house with all these tax collectors and, 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 there's, a, and, and, and there's other people there. There's Pharisees and teachers of the law. There's this huge melting pot of this culture of subcultures all, all together on one, under one roof and the Pharisees are going like, you're blowing my mind. What are you doing with these people? What are you doing? And he says, he says uh, it, the Pharisees actually complain to his disciples and they said, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And, and Jesus actually responds on their behalf. He's like, you guys, you're not ready to say anything yet, my gosh. <laughs> He's like the voice of reason. And, and so it says that, he says in, in Luke 5, 31, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. He's like, I'm here for the sick in body. I'm here for the sick emotionally. I'm here for those who are sick of life. And, and, and Jesus is saying in the statement that he's come to make people well. He's come to bring order. He's come to break the wrongs right and to flip the curse on his head and release the blessing to creation and show and tell the world that everything's going to be okay with him. Everything's going to be all right. And to Peter, he's saying, this is what fishing looks like again, Peter. This is what it looks like just to launch out from the shore of your comfort zone and to be compassionate to those who are completely different, diverse, a bunch of people in subcultures and, 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 and that are usually excluded from society and they're usually excluded from spiritual discussions. And he's like, this is this party scene, this house, this environment, this is what fishing looks like. You've got to launch out from the shore. You've got to get into another environment and connect with people that need hope, that need love, that need healing. 
and reveal what compassion looks like to the world. Pastor Rick Warren says this, when you give someone your time, you're giving them a portion of your life that you'll never get back. Your time is your life. That's why the greatest gift that you can ever give someone is your time. And I just love how Jesus just, he says, come and follow me, guys. And then he immediately starts giving people his time. He immediately goes to the people and says, this is, I want to spend time with you. I want to show you. I want to heal you. I want to, I, I want, I want to, these people are important. I want to reveal my, my heart to those who need to know that I am for them. And, and if you look at the word compassion, it's, it's an amazing word. And actually, Nikki shared on last uh, Sunday night what compassion uh, means. And it was incredible because I'd started preparing this sermon the week before. And this, that was the only thing that I'd actually prepared in the sermon. And she just said it word for word. And so I felt like, man, God's saying something to us at this time. That we are, there's a stirring for us to go towards the one. So compassion, the origin, uh, if you look at the two words in there, is passion. Now look, you look into the origin of what passion actually came from, for the root of where that word actually came from, and it came from the sufferings of Christ on the cross. That was the beginning and the birthplace of that word, Christ's passion, physical suffering to endure, to hurt. That's what passion means. Calm is the word forming um, uh, the... The meaning of togetherness, of being together. So you put compassion, common passion together, and you get to suffer together, to suffer with, to suffer with. And and I know, like, we're in a pretty humanistic society that says, you know, you just get more stuff, you just become more significant and all that and and that's what that's your goal in life and he who dies with the most toys wins and yay <laughs> cuz one of the biggest wrestles that we face as a church and I think the church faces worldwide is to look beyond our own te- own the own tensions our own stuff in our life our own sufferings our own loose ends our own frustrations and become engaged with someone else's pain, someone else's loss or someone else's emptiness. This is, it's hard to do, isn't it? When you're like, look at my life, I've got issues and I work hard and I do this. And it's like, you know, you talk to people and they say they're tired because this is going on and this is going on. And yes, life is tough, but Jesus is saying there's something greater to live from. And that is to live in the eyes of someone else. It's to live in someone else's boots and to put yourself in someone else's shoes and say, you can be a, be a part of that. Be the answer in that pain. Be the answer. And I, Trinity, she sang a song here last night and just like six words from that song, I just pulled out. It said, she said, it's easy to love the lovely. It's easy to, it's like, it is, isn't it? It's hard to love the people that, we, that may not look like us, that may smell different, that may like wear clothes that are different, that may talk different. It's hard to love the unlovely because we, we're safe there. We're like safe with the people that think the same and all that. 
But we're called to go to those people. Philippians 3, 10 and 11, Paul writes this. He'd clicked into a new way of seeing. He'd, he'd, he'd been able to move past just himself and he'd gone, you know, if Christ is my center, then, then that's gonna actually release his promises to the world. And he said this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship, the, get this, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Who wants that kind of thing? Not our generation, not our humanistic society. Paul's saying, look, I want it. I want to know Christ. I want to know the fellowship and the, of sharing in His pain and so, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I want to release resurrection life into those who are suffering. I want to know the people that... that Jesus' heart is breaking for. I want to be so close to Jesus. I, I want to share in that fellowship. I want to share in His company. When He's grieving over someone, when He sees the lost person, when He sees the hopelessness, Paul's like, I want to share it. I want to share it. I want to share that because I want to reveal hope into that. I want to release resurrection life into the into the into the, the, the very heart and into the, what's the word, the target, the bullet point, the, I want to be there in that source of pain so I can release hope, so I can release love, so that, that my, my life would represent what Christ looks like to you. Because he's found, see, Paul's found something and seen someone so irresistible in the passion of Christ and the cause of Christ and He's like, I just, I just want to have fellowship with Jesus at that level. Let what motivates you motivate me. Let what hurts you, I want to hurt over. What moves you, I want to be moved by. What reflex you have for the lost, I want to have that same reflex. Oh, that's a nice sound. We watched um, Hacksaw Ridge the other night. A group of us guys went in, and so it's a bit of a spoiler alert here. So block your ears if you don't want to um, hear about this. It's a Hacksaw Ridge. It's um, a true World War II story about the first conscientious objector in U.S. history to be awarded the Medal of Honor. How does a conscientious objector uh, be awarded the Medal of Honor? You see the movie. This guy is called... Desmond Doss, and I think that's Harry Truman, the president, actually awarding him this medal. And Mel Gibson um, directed this movie, and he received a 10-minute standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival for it. It was a very, very impacting movie. And there's a scene in the movie, because Desmond refuses to carry a gun, but he wants to be a part of the army. <laughs> he wants to be the one that saves people. And there's this scene in, um, in the movie where... Soldiers, uh, the, the entire army has been overrun by the enemy and everyone's pulling out. And, and, and everyone has left the battle scene and the enemy is out there uh, just killing off those who have been injured and, and wounded. And, and Desmond is just sitting there on the edge of being able to run away or to be able to engage again. And, and he says, and he prays because he's a, he's a believer and he prays. He says, what is it that you want of me? He's like, what is it that you want of me? Help me understand. I can't hear you. 
and there's silence. And then, you, and then he hears, medic, help. And there's someone calling. And they're like, help. And it was like the voice of God to him in that moment. And I don't know if that happened in real life, but he went. He went in to save that guy. And so all night long, this is true, while the enemy is systematically killing the wounded, Desmond manages to evade them and he, and he uh, recovered 75 American soldiers from the battle scene. It's so moving. It was so, it's such an incredible picture of like what the voice looks like, what the voice of God looks like in our lives. We're like, what do you want, God? Where's the need? And he just laid his life down. He, he, could, have died. he could have taken a bullet, and he was really badly injured and, and, and um, was flowing out. And in the post-movie documentary, there's just like a five-minute scene there, and um, it, he's been filmed as an old man. And he's recounting after he had saved that one life, and he just kept coming back, and it shows in the movie, and he just go, just one more, just one more. Just one more. He was a life to just, he just laid his life down for the cause of Christ. You know, last Saturday night, I had this amazing encounter with God. I just, like, I can't quite, but you know, when God interrupts your world and you're like, that's just blowing my mind in a, in a whole new way. And I, we're driving back from this meeting and down Lineside Road, I just had like, if you're not a, if you don't understand what Christianity is here, this won't make a whole lot of sense to you. But basically, God was totally impacting my spirit, and I just had this real burden in my heart. And it was like I was—I can't say it was like giving birth because I've never given birth, but I was groaning like, "Oh God, what?" A, you know, like He was just totally on me in the car, and and I just—he showed me this uh, picture of the silhouette of people, of just a silhouette of people, and I just knew it was the community of North Canterbury. I knew it was the community, and I was just like, what is that? And he's like, he just said, will you go for the nameless ones and the faceless ones? Will you, will you go? Will you go for the people that you don't know and are living their own lives that, are, that you don't know their name, you don't know what they look like at the moment, but will you follow me to be led? Will you be willing and I know he was saying this to us as a church. Church, will we go? Will we be a church that is willing to go, Jesus, lead me. Lead me to these people. Lead me to these nameless ones. Lead me to the faceless ones because he sees them like he sees you and I. He cares for them like he cares for you and I. And, and I believe that we're called to be an answer in their world. Like we're called to be the light bearers and the hope revealers. And, and in John 8, uh, verse 12, he says this, that I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And at this time, church, reposition for increase, it's all about getting out there and revealing his love, his light into our community. How about we all stand? You know, it's a great day today to start following Jesus. It's an awesome day to meet the light of the world. And I just want to give an opportunity here this morning. If you don't know Jesus, man, when you start following him closely, you're going to know love stronger. You're going to know what it is to have hope in your life. And he's going to change your world.
If you're here today and you're like, Glenn, I just, I would like to know what that looks like. I want to ask you in a moment to make a response to him. So how about everyone just close your eyes right now. If you're, if you're here today, I just want to give you that invitation to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to step out of the boat. Maybe I want to leave my boat behind on the shore and actually just go, this is, this is what my life looks like. I want to I want to walk with Jesus. If that's you here this morning, I just ask you to lift your hand up. Maybe you want to just recommit your life back to Christ and you're like, that's me. I feel like I just want to give Jesus my life this morning. Is there anyone here this morning that wants to respond to Jesus Christ? That's awesome. You guys are all on the journey. I'm excited about that. In Matthew 16 verse 24, says, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I don't know if we all know what that looks like. I think we go through moments in our life where it's like, man, this life, you're calling me to a life where I need to lay down some stuff to follow you, Jesus. And that you could be here today and you're like, I, I want to do that. I don't know what that looks like. I just want to pray for you today. I just want to release God's grace over you that it would become exceedingly obvious what it looks like to take a next step in following Jesus and being a light bearer in your world. If that's you this morning, you're like, I really want that. Just lift your hand now. Just lift it up to him and go, I just want, I just want to be a light bearer. I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow him. I, if it means denying myself, if it means changing some things up, I'm prepared to go. Let me just pray for you. Holy Spirit, I just thank you right now for your abundant grace. And I just release right now that, that <laughs> the grace to follow you, Lord, but the grace to bend, Lord, to bend our knee, to bend our way of doing things, to, to deny ourselves and to follow you, what it looks like to you, not what it looks like to, to anyone else, but just what it looks like to follow you, Jesus. We just want to be a church that aligns ourselves with hope and light and freedom in our community. Amen. Awesome. Cool.